This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Fed Life, a weekly roundup of news about federal pay and benefits, employment policy, and investing and retirement planning. Brought to you by WEPA. Here's your host, Tom Temin. Hello and welcome to the show. We hope you'll be able to spend a half hour of your valuable time every week at this time. This week, we're focusing on the Thrift Savings Plan, specifically its rebuild of its records infrastructure and the rollout of its new user website in the middle of last year, a project the TSP board is still working on. We'll have a couple of perspectives on it, including a report from the board's external affairs director, Kim Weaver. But first, I discussed how things stand with financial consultant and former long-term federal employee, Abe Grungold. Abe, what's your experience been as a participant and having clients participate? Is the TSP passed some of those troubles yet? Well, Tom, first of all, Happy New Year, and hopefully the TSP will be going in the right direction in 2023. But as a 35-year participant in the TSP, the website, which was recreated past June, the last six months, reminds me of my favorite movie, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And there are some good things that have happened with the website. There are some bad things, and there have been some ugly things, especially from my experience and also some experiences from my clients. Yeah, so let's talk about the ugly first. What is it that they need to pretty up at this point? Well, the ugly has been, from my own personal experience, I try to take out a monthly withdrawal from the TSP back in August, and the minimum for a monthly withdrawal is $25. However, when I tried to take out $1,000, I could not be done online or even calling into the representative at the TSP. They said that it was a system-wide problem that I should try back in a couple weeks. I called back in a couple weeks. The representative said, well, you can't do a thousand dollar monthly withdrawal you're going to have to do a four thousand dollar monthly withdrawal because that's the only figure that seems to fit in your module for your profile which could not be explained just could not be explained well the question is if that persisted over the course of a year could someone be in tax trouble for not taking the required minimum distribution Well, the required minimum distribution has to be based on the balance of your account. And if you can't put the right figure in there, you're going to have some problems. But if you don't want to take out a $4,000 withdrawal, you are going to be forced to do it based on maybe the balance of your account or something that's causing that to happen. The TSP reps just couldn't explain it. Right. But has it been repaired since then? As far as I know, no, because I tried to get on recently and I wanted to adjust my figure from 4000 to another figure, say back to 1000 or 2000 They said you can't do that. You have to cancel your monthly withdrawal and then create a new one. And it just seems strange that you have to go through so many steps and you could lose a month where you don't receive a monthly withdrawal. So that is really somewhat of the ugly side of how the mechanics of the TSP website are working. 
I have another story from a client of mine who tried to repay their TSP loan from the CARES Act. The CARES Act allowed TSP participants to make a loan and not have to be on a payment schedule. Well, he wanted to pay this $50,000 loan back, could not find any information on the TSP website, nor did any of the representatives from the TSP 800 number. They didn't even understand what the CARES Act loan was. So he ultimately got it resolved, but he went through some very strange channels to do it. All right. We're speaking with Abe Grungold. He's the owner of AG Financial Services and a retired 36-year federal employee. But it's fair to say, I think TSP has done some major league repairs from that original June date to where the generalized reports seem to be that most people are getting the service they need from the website. Yeah. The good part of it is is that the website has a very appealing look to it where, you know, I now can go through the website without using my reading glasses. So the fonts are very large. There are enhanced colors. It's a little bit easier to find things. And the other good thing about the website is that you can even, thankfully to the change in the TSP policy in 2022, you can repay a TSP loan even after you have terminated from federal service. They give you several repayment options, which is wonderful. You know, a lot of federal employees panic that they have to repay their TSP loan prior to termination. They don't have to do that. They can continue paying it on afterwards. So that's the good part. There are some good features to the website. Yeah, and just getting back to that total functionality question, though, it seems like they have nailed down, at least the reports we get, they have one by one nailed down the defects or the rollout problems that they had from last June. Well, there still are some what I would call the bad issues. They're not good and they're not ugly. They're bad. And that is that the TSP website just doesn't give you the experience that you would get on, say, a website like Fidelity or Charles Schwab, there are still issues where you cannot go back and look at your historical transactions. Say, I've been in the TSP for 35 years. I should be able to go back 35 years and look at the history of how much in contributions and the growth of my TSP. You can't do that because they're not retaining that information. So a lot of the features that you would expect from, you know, a change are just not there. And that's the sad part because I am sure that the TSP board spent millions of dollars, but it's unknown as to what the details of that contract were with Accenture and how they're still going to correct some of these issues because as a participant, you don't want to receive less information that you have sure. now with the prior website. And what are your clients telling you? A lot of the clients are just unhappy all around with the TSP website. A lot of them want to leave. I don't encourage them to leave. From a personal standpoint, I am not leaving the TSP website. But if the website is just not working 
to the optimal satisfaction of the TSP members, time will tell how many members are going to be leaving. Well, what choice do you have, though? You certainly could transfer your TSP to another investment house like a Fidelity or Charles Schwab, and you could do a direct rollover transfer to an IRA and not have to pay any tax in doing that step. So, yes, there are options. You could do it on a partial basis or you can do it on a full basis and certainly close out your account. Well, that's, a like you say, a personal choice, and there are still benefits to the TSP. It's a low-cost operation, and their funds are generally well-managed. So I'm not cheering for TSP, but they do have advantages. Yeah. It's recognized for that, uh, some of those yeah. qualities. Look, look, Tom, I love the TSP. I've been a member for 35 years. You are getting the lowest expenses compared to any investment management that you're going to find anywhere. The investments themselves are plenty to choose from, and they're wonderful. They have a wonderful 35-year track record. I do not plan on leaving, but some of the people out there just are not satisfied with the changes, and time will tell what's going to happen. And let me ask you this. What's your prospect for the funds themselves in the coming year? Are we going to see a bull market return or at least a non-bear? I think somewhere during the year, there's going to be a comeback in the market because I went through it in 87 with the Black Friday. I went through it in 2000 with the dot-com era. I went through it in 2008 to 2009 and the pandemic era. And Every time there was a fall in the market, it only lasted for about a year, a year and a half, and then there was a comeback. I'm not saying that is a guarantee that the market will come back, but I think it will slowly progress in 2023, and maybe we could see it an, an all-time new high in the Dow, the S&P 500, the NASDAQ. I'm hoping for that. I'm optimistic. Abe Grungold is the optimistic owner of AG Financial Services and a retired 36-year federal employee. As always, thanks so much. Thank you for having me, Tom. Happy New Year. You're listening to FedLife. We'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll hear from Kim Weaver, the Director of External Affairs at the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board. I'm Tom Temin. Over 46,000 feds choose WEPA to be there for their life's biggest moments. Group term life insurance is a smart option if you're looking for coverage that'll help you meet your changing needs. At WEPA, eligible employees can apply for up to $1.5 million in life insurance regardless of salary. We also offer other coverage options such as group short-term disability insurance or a chronic illness rider. Visit waepa.org for more information. Welcome back to this week's edition of FedLife, where we discuss all things related to being a federal employee. I'm Tom Temin. Our topic this week is the TSP. And for a progress report and what you can expect from the user interface that the board relaunched last year, I spoke to Kim Weaver, Director of External Affairs at the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board. How does the board feel? What is the board's assessment of the state of that portal for plan holders at this point as we begin 2023? 
First of all, I want to correct a common misconception. This was not just an updating of the website. This was a wholesale transition from our record keeping system, the actual software that holds all the information, programs, all the tax requirements, loan requirements, withdrawal requirements, all of that, and switched it to a different system. So, you know, a lot of people think it was just sort of a refresh of the website, and it was far more fundamental than that. And it bought us and our participants more features and more security. But with it, as you say, came some dissatisfaction. And the problems at the call center, people waiting on hold for unacceptably long periods of time, that was corrected in mid-August. And we're now hovering between 20, 25 seconds to answer a phone call, which is a reasonable length of time. Right. I think your latest pie charts of summary of results for the latest month, I believe would have been November, showed the bulk of questions are answered online without a phone call. Yes. And that's the other thing that we have added. Those are the new features is we have a bot, which you know many websites have, which just answers sort of routine questions. And then we also have during business hours live to chat. If you don't want to call, and a lot of people, especially younger people, prefer texting or typing to actually interacting with a human, you can correspond with a live agent, a real human, and get answers to your questions. And a lot of that is happening. And in addition, people are completing a lot of their transactions online. All right. And so what do you plan to do then next? Is it all completely the way you want it? No, it isn't. One of the things that I think the most frequent request that we get is to be able to change the amount of your monthly withdrawal online. That was something that we introduced in the fall of 2019 to our previous system. And people found it very convenient to be able to go in and on any given day determine that they would get a different amount the following month. That was not a functionality of the system that rolled out on June 1st. It is something we are looking at to bring back. I don't have a time frame to announce here, but it is something that we know will address a big portion of the complaints that our participants have. Is there a question as to whether they could be out of compliance with IRS rules if they can't easily change the withdrawal? No, because the TSP at the end of any calendar year, if you are of an age to be required to take a required minimum distribution and you have not taken that dollar amount by December, we will send you a check. You don't have to ask because the tax penalties are stiff to say the least. Sure. We take the steps to make sure our participants are not in jeopardy of that. And just out of curiosity, I'm not at that age yet, or I am at that age, I'm just not doing it yet. Do some of the private 401k operators do that also, like the fidelities and so on? You know, I don't know. I I do not know if there's automatic, well, actually based on a sample size of one, my father, no, they don't because that's how I know this tax penalties are stiff. We do it. I don't know what private sector plans do. All right. We're speaking with Kim Weaver. She's Director of External Affairs at the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board. And the other issue that came up recently was that people can't see the whole history of their growth and additions and subtractions of the TSP going back decades in some cases. That data is available. It is not available as live data. 
and it's not available as live data because to transport that over and to protect it would have cost money and added additional security risk. And we looked at people's usage of that information. It's not that we just made the decision willy-nilly. We looked at usage and determined that it was not sufficient to outweigh the costs and risks of transferring over live data. What is available online are the year-end balances for the last 10 years and your transactions from June 1st forward. And additionally, I've seen comments that say that people could get information going back to, you know, 1987, the inception of the TSP, and that was not available online previously. There is a limit to how much data you can carry in any given system. Yeah, I wonder what else people imagine they could do before June 1st. (laughs) And uh, getting back to looking ahead, what are some of the other plans for enhancement of the system and the site? Our contractor is looking and we are looking at customer satisfaction. And the contractor has already made some changes when you log into your TSP My account to address people's desires to see their options to access various features of their account. Those are now at the very top as as a banner at the top. So you don't have to scroll down. You can simply look up and see your you know, account summary so people can just access it right away. And we and they are going to continue to look at people's responses and comments, and we're taking them seriously and making changes. The other thing we're doing is continually doing quality control for our call centers, because especially early on, we know that participants weren't getting necessarily either complete or wholly accurate information. And that was a product largely of new call centers, new representatives, learning the system, learning the plan. And we're now fully six months in. So what we're doing is, and what they're doing, is continued training and continued quality assurance to make sure that when participants call in, they get informed representatives who give them the full and complete answer. All right. So uh, anything else we need to know about the 2023? I mean, you can't make the stock market return back. No, that is outside of our control. (laughs) If we could do that, boy, would we be something. We're just going to continue to iterate and make improvements uh, to address issues that we find and to make it better for our participants. Always. That's always our goal. Kim Weaver is Director of External Affairs at the Federal Retirement Thrift Investment Board. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. And before we go, here's an excerpt from an earlier interview I did with Federal News Network's reporter, Drew Friedman, about the TSP system and a few other items. And let's talk about the Thrift Savings Plan. That's central to every federal employee's experience. It is a very well-run, kind of a blue-chip program for 401ks in the federal context. But that saw some changes, too, and some things didn't go so well in the past year, did they? Absolutely. So basically what we saw over the summer was the TSP just getting a big update to its record-keeping system, which resulted in their savings plan participants seeing a new My Account system, a new platform, just a lot of updates from the TSP all at once. And that led to there were a lot of technical issues, a lot of issues with their customer service center. And, you know, a lot of those early problems have subsided where, you know, it doesn't take any more two hours to reach a customer service representative, but it still gained a lot of attention in Congress. And people are still upset about some of the long-term changes with it, with the way that 
the new My Account platform is structured, some of the information that was available before is no longer readily available. So there are more long-term concerns about it, but we'll kind of see how that goes next year. There's going to be a GAO report on it. So that might give us a couple of answers. But it did seem like the Thrift Retirement Savings Board was knocking down the problems one by one. And if you look at the recent statistics, most people are getting answers to queries via the online means and not by telephone. That's right. There is a lot more emphasis on just something called self-service. So a lot of people are using the app to get answers, using FAQs, and it's a lot, you know, that's kind of the way that they're trying to structure it more now. So that was basically the whole reason behind this update is just to make it easier for TSP participants. And something else I think we both reported on this year is this emphasis on early career hiring. I guess they're proscribed by discrimination laws against saying they're going to hire young people. So now the word is early career hiring. What's been going on there? A common conversation around this has just been the idea that the federal workforce is aging. And we aren't quite seeing the fallout of that yet, but it's something where OPM and other agencies are pushing on this, as you said, early career hiring. The data, the most recent data that we've seen shows that just 7% of the federal workforce is under the age of 30. And the average age of federal workers has stayed flat for at least the last five years at 47 years old. So we're also seeing at the same time more federal employees hitting retirement age, even more will be eligible for retirement in the next five years. So in response, OPM has put a lot of emphasis on the this idea of early career hiring and recruitment. A lot of this is, you know, within the president's management agenda, looking at increasing internships, paid internship opportunities, then trying to convert those into full-time positions. There's also been some legislative pushes on this. So just trying to address the aging workforce problem and other types of um, ways or flexibilities to encourage more young people to join the government. And the other thing that we've seen in the reform front is the federal hiring process itself for whatever age you're hiring. What has happened over the year on that front? There's been some guidance from the Office of Personnel Management that's basically encouraging agencies to look more at skills-based hiring. That's something that both the Trump administration and the Biden administration have emphasized as important, you know, just looking at a candidate's actual skills rather than where they got them. So that may kind of change the way that agencies look to hire people. There's also a push to expand something called SMEQA, which is the subject matter expert qualification assessments. There were a couple of successful pilots on that this year with, for example, with the State Department. And I think OPM and the Chico Council are looking to expand some of those as well. And, um, you know, just also trying to use maybe more shared certificates. That's something that agencies seem to like, basically hiring multiple candidates off of one job posting. So just like kind of these little piecemeal ways to fix parts of the federal hiring process. And let's change topics here just one last time, like a zombie's hand reaching up from the buried grave. Schedule F keeps coming around and around. Give us the update on Schedule F that went through the ringer this year. As a quick recap, Schedule F was a Trump administration executive order that would have reclassified about 50,000 policy-related positions outside merit systems principles within the federal workforce, essentially 
making them easier to fire. They touted it as something that would provide more flexibility, but it's gained a lot of pushback, especially in Congress. There have been multiple efforts to change that or prevent a future Schedule F from happening. It's something that's already been revoked, but none of that has really become official. It was left out of the NDAA. It was left out of the omnibus. So it's kind of up in the air still. And I think uh, we are probably going to see a continued push to from Democrats, at least to try to prevent that in the future. Federal News Network's Drew Friedman. That's it for this edition of FedLife. Let us know what else you'd like us to cover. We're easy to find at federalnewsnetwork.com. I'm Tom Temin. Thanks for listening to FedLife here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and any past episodes anytime at federalnewsnetwork.com or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Search FedLife.